Yo, 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 yo. Another episode of 699 per pound podcast. If you didn't know, we interview leaders, professionals from a wide variety of careers and lifestyle, just like the diverse food options found at a Korean owned hot food deli. Everybody for tuning in. I appreciate you guys. But if you're just listening and not following us or liking us or sharing the podcast on social, there's something wrong with you. On that note, when you're listening to this episode, make sure you screenshot it, post it, tag us on your story. And if you do that, we will make sure to shout you out in return, you know what I mean? Everything is a cyclical thing, you know what I mean? You reap what you sow. So, I mean, yo, and on top of that, we read all your comments as well, so please keep leaving them. You know what I mean? If you want to just holla at me, DM me, ask me a question, even if it's stupid, I'll try to tell you. You know, if it's stupid, I'll tell you that it's stupid, but... And I'll try to answer them to the best of my ability. So on that note, we have another special righteous. Actually, this time he is definitely a righteous guest. And and I use this word adjective righteous in the most appropriate way this time. And on top of that, uh, I don't have my usual co-host today, Jojo. Uh Uh, I like to welcome our co-host for the day. Miss Julie Young. Hello. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> so usually I'm imitating you when yeah. I co-host. Today uh-huh. I had to imitate Jojo. Hi, guys. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Word, word. No. Not the same energy. <laughs> Not the same energy. But uh, yeah. Right, I tried. Nah, nah, nah. It's all good. But I mean, um, you know, you're friends with this gentleman that we are speaking to today. So would you like to please introduce us to who he is, what he's about, and uh, how you got to meet him? Um, so yeah, I'm really excited today because I've been wanting to have Mr. Julian Elijah Martinez on our podcast for a little while now. Um, he's been kind of super busy lately though. Um, and Elijah is an actor, mm-hmm. just was in uh, Network Broadway, which yep. won, Brian Cranston won the Best won, actor, yeah. right? Tony for best actor. Oh, what? Yeah, he did. I didn't. Oh, no, that's still a big deal, though. That <laughs> was a very well noted like, production. Yeah, 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 it was. It was. Yeah. It was yeah, yeah. I've seen the ads all over the place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah that's yeah, dope, yeah, man. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then most recently, uh, Elijah just finished filming Wu Tang. What's the official? An American Saga. An American right. Saga for Hulu. Mm-hmm. And um, <clears throat> But just to give a little background, so. Anybody who knows me knows I'm totally obsessed with Shadowbox, right? So Speaking of Wu-Tang. <laughs> Wu- yo, yo, this yo. is Wu-Tang Shadowbox. So, um, Elijah is formerly an instructor at Shadowbox, but uh. because um, he's so busy now being an actor, uh, he's no longer an instructor there. We miss him. But um, So that's how I met Elijah. And... Um, so happy to have you here. Yeah, I'm happy to be here. Can I, can yeah. I just ask you, though, why you go by Elijah and not Julian? Sure, sure. So, uh, so we, and we were talking about this outside. Yes. So, I grew up in the Nation of Islam, um, and actually I was, I was named Julian from, after my grandmother, 
um, named Elijah after Elijah Muhammad, and then last name Martinez from Spanish slave traders. <laughs> and and uh, my mother, who got really heavy in the nation, read somewhere that Julian is actually one of the names of the Antichrist. So around the time that I was like three, she just started calling me Elijah. And that's that. Wow. <laughs> Off the bat, we going deep right now. Um, okay, so, okay. Uh, I mean, we could talk a lot about, like, your background of, yeah, like, yeah. growing up in New York. Um, I mean, you were raised in D.C. Mm -hmm. yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. But we could talk about a lot of that. But uh, just off the bat, like, let's talk about um, the fact that, you know, you are part of this new upcoming show. Sure, There's yeah, a lot yeah. of um, energy behind it. You yeah, know what I mean? Yeah, Tell yeah, us yeah. about Wu-Tang and American Saga. Like, yeah. what is this show about? Yeah, so it's basically, you know, it's um, they're taking the first kind of a uh, couple years of Wu Tang's uh, career, and uh, the way that um, the co-creator uh, 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 describes it, it describes it as kind of historical fiction. So we take the facts of what had happened based on the Tao of Wu and the Wu Tang Manual, which is two books, two which books, are two books written by the RZA, written by the RZA, and then right. uh, extrapolate that into kind of creating a, a, a piece of, of work and a piece of, of art. Mm. Um, so we start off in Staten Island around 91, 92, and then we go through their kind of rise through there, and then hopefully, cross the fingers, we'll do the entire arc. So this is the first arc? This is the first season, Before Wu-Tang's yeah. seminal debut album yeah. came out in 93. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah so yeah, yeah. from a historical timeline perspective, this is before they were full-time artists. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, some of them are, you know, because some, because like Wu-Tang is kind of like a, a super group. Mm -hmm. Yes. You know, so some of them were making music at around that point in time, you know, underground artists and that kind of stuff. So, but this is before they uh, co coalesced mm. as one entity. How and many episodes in the... Ten. Ten. Yeah. This and is the first season. Basically. First season, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So if it does well, then... Yeah, cross the fingers. Hulu, please. <laughs> I just got a new apartment. I got a feeling it's going to do well. People yeah. are so hyped about it already. Totally. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. mean. Yeah, so so Rizzo wrote the, uh, he wrote the pilot with his um, with his co-creator Alex Seiss. I'm, hopefully mm. I'm saying his name right. Um, so they they wrote the pilot and they're they're the showrunners. Right, okay. um, and so they kind of direct everything. And then mm -hmm. we've got a series of different writers kind of really kind of like a who's who of who's been writing here in TV. Wow. And, um, so that's really, really wonderful. We had a, a, a lot of great kind of directors come through as well. So, right, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah. mean, before we move forward, can you tell us about which character you're playing? Yeah, yeah, I'm playing... this uh, show. I'm playing uh, Mitchell Devine Diggs, who's... Uh, so I'm not playing you, God, even though I'm light-skinned. <laughs> Which is what everyone's been asking me. No, but I'm... Uh, so Mitchell... <laughs> Mitchell Devine Diggs is uh, uh, Riz's older brother. And he ends yes. up becoming the CEO of Wu-Tang Productions as we kind of move forward. Yep. Um, um, and for those who've seen the documentary, he's the brother sitting on the boat in episode three and episode four. Yeah, what was... Who... That, at first I was, like, confused because I knew about... What... W there was another movie or yeah, something... Yeah. About the Wu Tang, yeah, on yeah, yeah. What? On Showtime, Showtime, yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's a, that's more of a documentary. Okay. And what's wonderful about that is that shout you out to Sasha, Sasha Jenkins. Yeah, Sasha Jenkins. Shout out to Sasha yeah, Jenkins. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so what's wonderful about that is you actually get a lot of the Wu kind of sitting and kind of talking, and uh, uh, and you get a lot of their kind of perspective. Um, um, you get you get really wonderful moments, like for example, like Ghostface is talking about his his 
his brothers and like having to deal with their disabilities and 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 you can really see their mindset kind of mm-hmm. moving forward mm-hmm. um, where the the TV show is is gonna be more you know it's 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 action it's entertainment it's we got a lot of crazy things that are gonna happen in it so yeah yeah so I cannot wait to see it yeah 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 it's gonna be dope talk a little bit about how you got the part and yeah. what it was like when you found out that you got the part yeah <laughs> yeah so it was uh, uh it was crazy I um you know so I'm an actor so I auditioned uh I sent in a self tape and uh what was funny about that was like you know I'm, I'm doing it and I'm like I'm like ah you know I'm, I'm kind of nerdy I'm kind of I'm from the suburbs so I was like ah I'm not I'm not gonna get this so <laughs> I did it like I did I did the self tape I, I I sent it out then didn't hear nothing nothing for like three months then all of a sudden my agent calls me he's like oh you know that Wu-Tang thing they, they want you to uh they want you to uh, uh to read to to do a callback I was like I was like, really? W- what was your self-tape? Which character were you playing? Uh, Divine. Oh, it was from Divine, yeah. from the get. From the get-go. Wow. Yeah, so, so I was like, okay. I was like, all right, great. So then I do that again, and and then I don't hear nothing again for another three months. And I'm going about my life, and then I get another call saying, like, oh, they want you to come in for a camera test. And I'm like, oh, a camera <laughs> test. And so I walk in into the camera test, and uh, the video, sitting in the video is Riza and Alex, and one of the producers. Who is Alex? Alex. So the Alex writer. is the writer. He also gotcha. wrote uh, Watchmen. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. And then and then standing next to me is Ashton Sanders, who from Moonlight, which I'm like, and so I'm sitting there like, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I guess this is legit. This is real. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so and and then from there we just you know we kind of hit it off. We kind of did our our scenes, and then one thing led to another, and we kind of we kind of moved forward. And I found out actually I'm I'm on my bike. Uh, riding home from Network, uh, which was this uh, Broadway show I was doing, and I get this call from my agent, and my agent's like, you got the Wu-Tang thing. And I remember stopping my bike and getting off my bike and then just crying next to this hotel. Because I was like, and then I called my mom, like, Mom, I made it! I did it! I got the thing! Uh, so, yeah, so that's that's been kind of that experience, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what's up. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. So... For those of us that don't know Wu-Tang and is not familiar with, like, the story about the doc, like, what yeah, kind yeah. of character is Divine? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, like, I mean, I know, like, that he, a lot of people describe him as, like, a, a cold, shrewd businessman. Yeah, 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 um, yeah, yeah, But for yeah, those yeah. of us that aren't familiar with the yeah. Wu-Tang story, like, yeah. can you tell us a little bit more about your character? Sure. I mean, like, Divine is, like, the thing about Divine is that he's ultimately, uh, um, he's ultimately a, uh, uh, a father in a lot of ways and he, he becomes kind of he, he's kind of the father of the family because the family at least in the in the story the family the father is absent so his what is perceived as coldness is kind of what he has to do to kind of survive within the world that he's kind of living in um divine is wicked smart wicked intelligent and all self-made like he has this great story about how he he when he gets out of prison he goes to become a janitor and in wall street and he's watching wall street guys kind of do their thing and he hears these wall street guys selling things for like millions of dollars and making million dollar deals and he's like okay so what are they doing so then all of a sudden he decides to pick up a a business book and start learning himself on his off time and while he's like he'll finish his work then he'll sit and spend the rest of shift just studying business so he's so he's that kind of person mm. and i think that that for a lot of people that may, may be perceived as shrewdness but i think it's just a, a kind of discipline and a discipline that he sp- expects from other people right he kind of moves forward 
Um, and then, like, it's funny because the way RZA talks about his brother is that he talks about him as if they're one person, just different sides of the coin. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Like, they're best friends. They they will almost be twins if, you know, if <laughs> there wasn't the practical age gap. But right. they're almost the same person, just different sides of a coin, different mm. ways of going about their lives. But just as ambition. Almost like RZA got the left side of the brain and right. Divine has the right side of the brain. Right, right. If they were together, it'd be they'd be unstoppable. They'd right. be like Barack Obama or something. You know what I mean? Right. So, yeah, it's cool. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Wow. Yeah. So, um, yeah, like, I mean, I, I mean, we talked about this before the recording. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, and Julie knows this as well, but I'm a huge Wu-Tang fan. Yeah, like, yeah, I, yeah, I grew yeah, up yeah, yeah. listening to 36 Chambers, uh, like, Wu-Tang Forever. Like, those, those two albums, like, really defined my adolescent years. And, yeah, um, yeah. Through like Wu Tang in in the skit on um uh Wu Tang Forever, RZA says like, "Yo, shorty, you ain't even gotta go to summer school. Just listen to the du- Wu Tang Double CD." <laughs> and like, just listening to that like yeah, kind yeah. of exposed me to so much about African American culture. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. also like, RZA is himself is such a wise person who yeah. collected, yeah. who basically harbored so much different types of religions and cultures uh-huh, that. Uh-huh. He talks ex- extensively about Islam. Yep. He talks extensively about Christianity, Buddhism, all of that. And through Wu-Tang, I kind of learned a lot about Islam. And I really got interested in yeah. all the slang terminology they were using, which a lot of it was based around um, 5% Nation. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and through 5% Nation, I learned about Nation of Islam. I learned about yeah. like Malcolm X. I learned about Elijah Muhammad Farrakhan, yeah, 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 yeah. so on and so forth. So you grew up in the culture of nation of islam yeah so the, if you could the, tell us a little bit about what that is and also <laughs> like how that kind of ties in with sure the fact that you're playing a character named divine sure i mean it's uh you know the nation is 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 complicated right <laughs> like, like, of, like any religious like any, institution right yeah. and, and especially especially here in the states you know the funny thing about five percent is a little less well known right um unless unless you're really really here in new york you know mm-hmm. But uh, uh, the nation in general is is complicated. But what I was I was blessed with is my mother is a former minister of the nation and one of the few women ministers who kind of came along. She was a minister of uh, Mosque Number Four, uh, uh, late '90s, early 2000s, and so like that's basically how I spent the vast majority of my weekends and the vast majority of my of my days was sitting there in that space in the mosque in the mosque and when you're around that kind of energy um in terms of like people who are about study and about discipline and about uh bettering oneself and about uh uh, focus and about dressing properly dressing properly and then politics yeah you know and uh being active in that it kind of seeps into your bones and you do one or two things you either rebel like crazy or you it, you or you kind of embrace it and so i did a combination of both <laughs> rebelled a little bit and then i've also embraced it and um yeah so it's you know i, I became a junior minister at one point and wow. so there was a lot of that kind of performative element to how i how i speak how i how i move about the world how i engage with people um yeah how kind of uh singularly focus I can be sometimes mm. you know what I mean mm. um, yeah 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 it's deep that's, that's interesting though right. listening to you answer that because I know that um, 
you were very inspired by a teacher in high school who yeah. put you in a play. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and in the description of that story, you say that you were not that good of a student. Yeah, 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 So yeah, yeah. I guess that was the rebellion part of you? Like, yeah, why yeah. were you not... Well, the funny thing about it is when, as, as I'm growing up, I had a lot of anger, you know what I mean? And so, um, and I think some of that uh, uh, came about... Uh, uh, because of a little bit of the nation, you know what I mean? Because a lot of the, a lot of what I'm taught is basically this idea that there's a, that a lot of things are out to get to get you because of the color of your skin, because of your, mm. you know what I'm saying? And so I think that created for me a sense of just needing to, of of deep seated anger and like needing to like kind of rebel, like like a, a fight against a lot of mm. stuff. Um, but luckily, there was a teacher who redirected a lot of that energy and saved me in a lot of instances yeah can you uh, tell that story yeah 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 so uh so I'm, I'm um i'm a freshman in high school and um you know i'm the kind of freshman who was stinky in the back of the room reading harry potter books <laughs> so ain't nobody was talking to me <laughs> and uh uh you know i there was a, a little billboard thing, little poster that said, like, old school play. And I didn't really have anything to do after school, so I decided to audition for a school play. So I, I kind of auditioned, meaning, like, you kind of read the, the sides, and, and then they were like, okay, we'll talk to you later. So I, I, I leave the room, and then I, I go about my business. I don't go back to check the, call sh the, the cast list when it comes <sighs> out. So then I then proceed to go two or three months, continue to do my thing. So I go home, I play video games, I come to school, I read my Harry Potter books, I don't do my homework. That's basically my <laughs> life. And finally, I get a call from the principal's office being like, you know, Julian. And when people call me, this is another thing. When people call me Julian, I freak out because the only people that called me Julian was the principal and the government. <laughs> so, so when the guy, so when the principal's like, yo, Julian, you need to come to the principal's office, I'm freaking out because I've been suspended once a year since elementary school. So I thought I did something and I'm trying to rack my brain like what I do, who do I cuss out, da 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 da, da. So I get down there and they're like, you need to go to the drama the drama room because the teacher's been looking for you so I go alright alright so I go down to the drama room and I'm freaking out and I get there and the woman a woman named Sally Livingston who recently passed away she looks at me she says are you Julian Lodge Martinez and I say yeah yeah that's me and she goes you were supposed to be here for the last three months we've been looking for you but you haven't been showing up and I'm like oh you're in the play I go Oh, so she's like, oh, just just go stand back there. So I go and I stand back there, and I have no idea what's going on. People are moving boxes, and people are going, and people have lines, and da da da. So then I bust out into tears, and I run out of the room, and I go and hide. And Sally actually came out. Miss Livingston actually came out, and she found me. And she said, like, what's wrong? And I'm like, I don't know what's going on. I don't know, da da da. And so she said to me, she's like, no no no, just come back, come back, and and we'll find something for you to do. Mm -hmm. So she brings me back, and she introduced me to my best friend Kevin. And Kevin took me aside, and we just kind of—I kind of followed him through the rest of the, the rest of the uh, rehearsal. And then it was kind of uh, uh, love at first sight from there. Yeah. And since then, she was my biggest advocate. So basically, this lady uh, from high school kind of like brought you into yeah, this world that yeah. you're in right now. Yeah, it took me on her wing. Yeah, yeah. yeah but what was it about like acting that you were like, damn, like this is kind of what I want to do for the rest of my life? Yo, literally, it's the only thing I'm good at. And I've tried to do a lot of different things. I've tried to teach, I've tried to write, I've tried to, and it's literally the only thing that kind of keeps me uh, focused and keeps me engaged and allows me to get up in the morning. Mm. When I don't have it, it's hard for me to wake up. It's hard for me to go about, you know, kind of, being an active member of society 
And uh, all right, but wait, I don't think it's the only thing you're good at. <laughs> I think that part is not. Okay, 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 okay. I know people. It may keep you focused and like get right, you up in the right, morning, but it's right. not the only thing you're good at. It's it's. I people often say it's shenanigans of that, but I this it's truly it's how I feel, and mm-hmm. I think like um, it it's allowed me to meet. It's given me a lot of empathy. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like it, it allows me to see people kind of hopefully the way that they are and that has in, empowered me to to pursue more of a, uh, a more engaging kind of lifestyle mm. I guess so yeah. when so you're in high school and you decide mm-hmm. you want to be an actor yeah, yeah like that's it and did you go home and tell your parents like I want to be an actor no actually so I didn't really decide I was going to be an actor until uh, undergrad and even then, so so high school, I was kind of like I'm gonna be a marine biologist, but then I'm bad at science, <laughs> and then I'm gonna be a, I'm gonna be a writer, but I can't spell. <laughs> so uh, so when it came around undergrad, I'm like, and maybe okay. Here's so here's the thing about acting. It's like when it came about undergrad, I'm going through the undergrad uh, process, and it actually was I on a whim. I decided to uh, audition for a place called Elon University, and at Elon University, I meet another teacher who pulls me aside and says, if you come to this school, I'm going to be able to make you into an actor. And it's it's actually been that kind of serendipitous mm. process with acting mm. that I'm finding in my life to be a pattern. Hmm. So through him, uh, uh, I ended up in Elon University in this amazing liberal arts school mm. for four years. And then after that, uh, uh, I ended up you know going to uh, grad school at Yale University. And then all of a sudden I'm here and I've done this stuff. So it's like it's been a very kind of serendipitous kind of thing. So you're like a classically trained actor. Yeah, I've, I've got a way too much education. <laughs> <laughs> way too much education. So I mean, because you know, like anything in 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 you know in like 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 anything. Yeah. There's many different ways to like going about becoming something. Yeah, you yeah, know yeah, what I mean? yeah. Like. Um, you don't necessarily need to go to business school to be a businessman. Yeah, but yeah, like, yeah, yeah. What acting it seems like the path that you've taken. You've mm-hmm. um, you've done like drama in high school. You've yeah. done a liberal arts program in acting. You even have a master's degree in acting, right? Like mm-hmm. so, um, is is that? Do you feel like what? I mean, I'm sure you've dealt with like people that just kind of jump into it. Yeah, yeah, you know yeah. What I mean, yeah. like by taking classes, especially in a place like New York, where yeah, there's yeah, so yeah. many people that want to be actors yeah, or yeah. actresses. Uh, what kind of like things that you've learned from mm-hmm. these institutions that you feel like, you know, it kind of differentiates you? Sure. Maybe sure. from like somebody who just jumps into it, you know? Sure. Uh, you know, and I, I want to say like, uh, you know, everyone comes to this. Acting as a profession is a funny profession because there are a lot of different avenues and a lot of different paths towards a, a similar goal. Right. And, and everyone kind of comes at it differently. And it, it can be kind of a, oh, so I hope this doesn't sound pretentious, it can be kind of a calling for certain folks, right? And so, like, um, I think, like, my path, so I'm saying this as a caveat, I think that my path isn't the only path, nor is it a path that I would recommend, but it is my path. Hmm. Why uh, wouldn't you recommend it? Because it's my path, you know, and I, I think like it was—it's unique to me. Mm. Um, so 
I wouldn't say like go chasing that because that's gonna make you go do such and such and such and such. You know what I mean? Unlike a lawyer, where I'm like, yeah, you need to go to what, fucking Harvard Business School if you want to do like some shit. Or like a law school. A law school, yeah, some get shit. A, pass yeah, the bar and yeah, shit. yeah, yeah, yeah. For me, it's it's more of a if for acting and art in general. You know, it there's a myriad of different ways. But what I will say about uh, study um, and study in these institutions is that what it does give you is so you know that little Malcolm Gladwell thing, yeah, hundred thousand hours yep, or whatever. Yep. So it's literally all you're doing for three, four years. Right. Is you're just sitting in rooms, you're just acting, you're just watching people act. And without the pressure, you know what I'm saying, mm. of, of having to perform, of having to uh, get a job, having to do any of that kind of shit. So like, that I think is a benefic- is beneficial. Mm. Because you can just sit and study. And, and like anything, pra- practice makes perfect. And practice makes perfect, exactly. Right. Exactly. Right. So I think that is probably the best benefit you can have if you go that direction. Mm. You know, and then there's certain things like, like not to not to be pretentious again, but Yale's a good fucking school. Right. <laughs> yeah, I, was say, I, love, I love that you were like a struggling student and then you end up going to Yale. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a blessing. Absolutely. I mean, blessing. that's amazing. Yeah. 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 But it's not uncommon. You know, a lot of my classmates. I'll talk to my classmates, and and a lot of them are like, yeah, I struggled in school. You know, and and but it was this one thing that kept me going, that made me, that woke me up every day. You know what I mean? That got me, that got me certain places. That right. made me special. Right. That made me seen. Right. You know. I mean, there's a path for everybody. You know. Right. Maybe right. like the school system that whoever your friends were, even including you, just didn't really understand what you were yeah. really good at. Yeah. Exactly. You know what I mean? Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. So. So what was your experience like at an Ivy League school? Yeah, I mean it's uh, <laughs> it's funny. I so I had a I had a I had a I had a pretty decent experience, but I'm also a workaholic, so I tend to like uh, just overload my schedule to the point where I don't have any free time. So it's hard for me to get into too much trouble. <laughs> right, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But um, but Ivy League is funny because as a person of color, I know I know there is a lot of difficulty associated with that mm-hmm. um, and associated with institutions because um, institutions carry a lot of baggage mm-hmm. um, for people of color, for members of the LGBTQ community, mm-hmm. for uh, for women, for uh, uh, you know anybody who's not a white man. Exactly. Yeah. yeah straight white man. Um, straight white man, right? So, um, but I like. Funny, we were talking about how I'm a bad student, but I like class. As an adult, I've learned that I like class, mm. and so I liked sitting in class. Mm. Um, and that, for me, was was really awesome. Mm. You know, but I mean, you know, you get sixteen pseudo adults seeing <laughs> each other every day, crying, and 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 you know the 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 uh, what you what what you call them. The stakes are always high, even though they're not really high, but they're high in your mind. You know, it creates a lot of drama. <laughs> right. I mean, acting is one of those um, form of art where you have to collaborate with other people. Yeah, absolutely. But you also have to deconstruct everything about you. Like, because yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I heard, like, my homies, like, taking improv classes, and then, like, you're, like, a grown man, and then be like, okay, you have to be a cat, and then like, you know what I mean? Or you have to be, you have to be a, a piece of shit. Like, yeah, and they yeah, have yeah, to play yeah. this out yeah, in yeah. front of a live audience. Yeah, yeah. And it could be like a grown man who looks like, you know, he could kill somebody, uh-huh, and then all uh-huh. of a sudden you have to be this docile cat. You yeah, know what I mean? Like, yeah, 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 yeah. And 
I mean, I tried it once and I was like, yo, this is really hard because you're like really <laughs> just so giving yourself up. Yeah, you know what I mean? yeah, so, yeah, yeah. It's about revealing, right? It's right. about it's about um um it's about removing layers. It's like that old stupid Shrek donkey yeah. quote. Onion. Onion. It's like he's like, yeah, we're layers of onions, right? So so that's all acting is, is you're just pulling yeah. back the, the peels and the layers. And that can be very painful. Right. Um, but once you do it and you and you reveal something, you find something magical and a little is, stinky. Is it therapeutic? It can be, um, but that's not the goal. Mm. I think a lot. I think we get caught up. Some people get caught up. Not everyone, but some people get caught up in trying to have therapy. And ultimately, we're storytellers. So you have to get past the therapeutic part, deal with it, so that way you can embody whatever you need to embody, and then tell the stories that you need to tell. You know. And then wow. what do you what do you do after a role that might be difficult like mm-hmm. to you know it's like a difficult character yeah, there's yeah. a lot of emotional baggage or whatever to the character yeah, yeah. do you have to do anything to sort of cleanse your energy or spirit of that or yeah, what, play, what do you do I play my switch I sit there and I'm like we're driving we're driving like the teamster would be driving me home and I'm I'm in the back and I'm just like I'm just playing you know Smash Brothers mm. or something I mean like uh, yeah it's it's you know everyone has their thing you know what I what I also tend to do too is like I'll um you know I'll sit it I, I use the opportunity if if it's film I use the opportunity where the the um, makeup artist will remove my makeup. I use that as an opportunity to kind of like shed mm. the character a little bit. Um, but really, it's just like for me. As soon as I get home, it's cartoons and video games. I need to just like let my brain just kind of turn off. Mm. Wow. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm. yeah. yeah. So I don't know if Julie told you, but this podcast is about talking to different people in different careers yeah, yeah, yeah. and talking about you know how to get about their like this particular occupation yeah, and how yeah. to like basically make money from it as well. Yeah, yeah, So yeah. like acting is not a type of job where like, yo, like you graduate from school and like a recruiter gets you and you got like a <laughs> $90,000 job with benefits and shit like yeah, that. You yeah, know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, it's yeah. basically like you actors mean, are like hunter and gatherers. You know uh-huh. what I mean? Like y'all got to go out and hunt every day, you uh-huh, know? Uh-huh, uh-huh. Um, so uh, for the listeners that, you know, might actually are interested in becoming an actor yeah, while yeah. pursuing acting like like what is like the first step so after you get out of school yeah what do you do like you just start applying to auditions well it kind of de- so it kind of depends on what your goal is right mm-hmm. um and kind of where you at so you know the big the cool thing about going to grad school if any of your listeners are interested in grad school is that grad schools are immediate kind of pipelines to gatekeepers is what i would say mm. so like agents and managers and casting directors and da 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 especially you know the big grad schools the juilliards the nyus the yales you know the columbias the uh, uh, UC, uh uc san diego's the ucla's like those are media pipelines um so there's that as an option um if you're if you're out of undergrad and you're you're hitting New York, you're hitting LA, um, I would also I would also say consider smaller markets, right? So when I got out of undergrad, I went to uh, I went back to DC, mm. and what was great about that is one I was living with my mom, so it was rent free, but mm. also like DC has an amazing theater community, so stakes were low. I could audition, I can learn, talk about that Malcolm, Malcolm Gladwell thing, you know, um, I can make mistakes. Uh, um, and I wasn't. It wasn't. I wasn't so dependent on having to book that job. 
Um, and then I was also able to explore another avenue. I, I was a guidance counselor for a while. And so, and it made me realize, like, I don't want to fucking deal with kids. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You deal, you deal with a caseload of 15 or so fucking badass kids, and you're like, I don't want to deal with this shit again. Uh, so, so I would also say look at smaller markets, too. If you, uh, if you have questions in your mind, um, and if you're like, I don't know what, I don't know if I want to jump into this just yet. However, mm. if I go to Chicago, I can work. And oftentimes, if you just work... Because, like, it's the downtime. That's the killer. We were talking about this right. outside. The downtime, that's the killer, right? It's, that's when the anxiety happens. That's when the depression happens. That's when you're like, I'm not worth it. Mm-hmm. But when you're working, you know what I'm saying, it kind of pushes you forward. Um, so then after that, you know, you hit, you hit New York. I was, you got to, New York, especially in L.A., you got to find an agent, you know, or you got to find a manager. Uh, backstage is a great place uh, to find auditions. So New York and LA is like battle royale. Yeah, man, that's, that's top. Although, yeah. wait, can we talk about getting the the agent or sure. the manager? Because you know, I know a lot of young wannabe actors who want an agent or want a manager, but yeah, they can't yeah. get one because they yeah. haven't really had any real acting gigs. Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah. So yeah. how do you? What was? What would? What would you say about that? Yeah, that's tough because like um, I lucked out because through my grad school I had like a showcase right. and that's how right. I met my folks. Right. Um, but, you know, there's there are opportunities like um, here in New York, there's a, a company called One on One, which will offer you, you know, classes with agents where you can make mm. connections. Excuse me. It's all about making connections. Mm-hmm. Right. Like anything mm-hmm. that you do. Um, it's all about like you're you finally booked that show. You go on backstage, you finally book that show. Um, and, you know, your your homie has an agent and you're like, yo, man, can I meet your agent? And da, 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 da. But like. And I'm and I think I'm rambling, but there's a uh, I have You're a sister. Oh, good, good. Uh, I have a I have a sister who's uh, who's at who's doing Harry Potter right now, and she doesn't have representation. Hmm. And she got that gig just through going to backstage mm-hmm. and just hitting the audition pavement. Hmm. So there are ways to do it. You just have to be persistent. Right. Yeah. You know? But there's a lot of um, auditions that you can't even go to unless you have an agent. Yeah, there's a certain kind of right. like tier or right. whatever. But ultimately, what you're trying to do. Ultimately, what the agent has is the agent has the access to the casting directors. Right. If you can meet the casting directors, you're golden without the agent. And on top of that, also, like, it's similar in the music industry. Like, you know, some of these, like, wannabe rapper kids would come up and be like, yo, like, I need a manager, yada, yada, yada. And I'm like, well, if nobody's wanting you, maybe you're not good enough. (laughs) (laughs) That's just a fact. Like... If nobody's hollering at you, <laughs> like you, know, well, you see what I'm saying? I, I hear that, and the, the problem, the, see, the problem with agents and managers, right, is that they, because yo, those guys are like capitalists. So right. if they see like, okay, I can make money off this kid, they're gonna want you, right? If, if they can, they also if they can see if they can work with you, right? But but the problem is that there's just so many that until you you float around their radar, they they're not gonna try to jump on you, right? My agents, my managers, some of the best relationships I have in the city uh, because we have known we've gotten to know each other so much. Mm. However, like. I have to I have to be honest like I lucked out because my showcase is something that they attended so they were able to see me. Right. Um so the goal of your of your listeners if they're trying to get an agent and manager is to do things that are going to fly in their radar. Right. And that also includes writing, you know what I mean, self-producing, like like what what you're doing like you know what I'm saying like uh uh, uh it's we have such an opportunity. You know, we talk about musicians like right. SoundCloud is a huge 
platform. Right, right. We can we have a platform now in a way that we didn't before. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So like, right. utilize your platform. Mm -hmm. So like, how does your identity? I mean, we talk extensively about you know you growing up, mm -hmm. uh, um, you know, influenced by the nation. You know, like coming from DC. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, how does your identity shape your experience as an actor? Like, if yeah. you could just kind of give us a little bit of it doesn't have to be a summary but just like tell us a little bit about that yeah i think it's um you know i think so so because my parents are are such uh activists because i grew up in the nation where politics were m m uh laced and traced through everything that i did you know i woke up and it was conversations about what's happening in america right now to mm. the point from i woke up to the point that i'm that i that i went to bed um and i've watched uh, my mother as a presenter and as a uh, uh, connector to people and as an advocate for people. Um, and so I think like that side of myself has really shaped um, uh, my viewpoint, my, the way I view the world. However, it was recently that my understanding of my own privilege has come into play hmm. and my hmm. desire to kind of uh, shift the way that I'm kind of connecting with folks. And what, can you be more specific about what that privilege is? Yeah, so I'm, uh, you know, I've even though I'm I'm a black man, I have a lot of things that that uh, give me certain advantages. You know, I'm heterosexual. I'm uh, I'm light skinned You know, I'm uh, uh, <laughs> I'm good looking. <laughs> you know, uh, I'm able bodied. You know, um, so it's that understanding. It's me trying to 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 understand that, and then also. Um, uh, allow uh, also utilize it to um, advocate for those who are less privileged than I am, and also know when to step back and uh, give space. Um, is kind of how I'm the last couple of years how I've been trying to pursue my career in my life. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Mm. Um, and I and I and I fumble, and I and I make mistakes and. Um, but that's kind of life, right? But that yeah. awareness is so huge. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like if we all were more mindful of our privilege and kind of walked in the world with that mindfulness, right, right. I think we would all society would function very differently. Right, right, yeah. right. Because we're at a crossroads, right? Yeah. And we're at a huge crossroads, and a lot of our issues right now are people are, is people combating the fact that things are shifting, mm -hmm. and we're becoming a more inclusive space and a more uh, interconnected space you know and uh and we have to learn when to uh, uh allow space to be given so that those who who historically were downtrodden and pushed aside and silenced to allow their voices to be expressed because i'm i'm telling you we go back to wu-tang clan like this tv show this tv show is being made now and probably wouldn't have been made six seven eight years ago yeah because no yeah. one would have thought it'd been worthy or totally worth anything, totally you know what i'm saying yeah and it's gonna and it's gonna be dope. <laughs> no, of course, yeah. But across the board, we see it in film, we see it in we see it in uh, television, we see it in music, we see it in fashion. We see all of a sudden the allowing. Uh, it's the space that is being created of people who who historically weren't able to to speak up is creating a lot of dope stuff. And, right. You know. So on that note, like, what would you say is like? What do you find important about the work that you currently do? Yeah, I um, I th I think ultimately, as a uh, as a storyteller, 
the hope is that when you watch other people's stories, it creates empathy. And um, hopefully through representation, you know what I mean, with someone who has the body that I have, someone can watch the stories that I tell and then that create empathy for that kind of perspective. Mm. Um, and also uh, a reflection upon themselves, an understanding right. of self through that kind of uh, exploration. Right. You know what I mean? No, I think sure. that's the entire point of storytelling. Exactly, yeah. Compassion, empathy. Compassion. Like that's empathy. totally yeah. what I said in the beginning of Tide. It's really about compassion. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And that's what I'm hoping, you know what I mean? I'm hoping to kind of... Uh, 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 shift a little bit too to become so so the Brits got this wonderful kind of thing where they, they teach and so I'm hoping to shift to teach a little bit more as well and um, I thought you said you don't like teaching <laughs> well I don't like dealing with badass kids <laughs> mm. so, <laughs> badass high school kids right, right, right. but if they're nice high school kids yeah I'll, I'll teach it <laughs> nah, but I, I feel like the correlation between that and like kind of tying it back to your character divine yeah, yeah it's like he was somebody who had to deal with badass artists yeah yeah, that yeah, yeah, yeah had yeah, no yeah. fiscal responsibility yeah. didn't quite understand like how like ironically how mathematics work at least at least from watching the documentary yeah, you know yeah, what yeah, mean? Yeah, like, yeah, i was yeah, like yeah. wow like the math that he's describing, like, about, like, you know, because there's a scene in the documentary where Devon is explaining to other members of the Wu-Tang, like, why the company is getting a cut. Yeah, yeah, And that's yeah. how companies work. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, you get a cut. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Because we invest in you, so we get the profit. Right, right, right. It's not, you know, it's not just going to be straight up homie shit where, like, right. I'm putting my money into your project and you expect, right. you know... You expect me to pay ex <laughs> to just, just give, you, give you the money like right. that? It doesn't work like right, that. Like, right, it doesn't right. work like that. I know, know, I know, and I and I and I love my agents and I love my manager and I, I'm so happy to pay them. But every time I pay them, I go. Oh. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's my ten percent. I could have bought a MacBook. With that. There you <laughs> go. <laughs> but you know what I'm saying? So, yeah, like that's kind of. It's just. It, I just find like it's interesting how like life pans out you know what yeah, I mean? so yeah, yeah, i think yeah. the fact that it's kind of almost like full circle like your whole yeah. experience as a, a growing up it just kind of yeah. um uh manifested into this one particular role so let's go back a little bit about um your time like coming up in the game as an actor sure sure and you spoke about privileges as well mm -hmm. the fact that you know you had a place to basically go back to after school yeah which is a, which as a you were like yeah. you know like developing your craft mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um yeah, yeah by the time you got to new york though like did you have to like pick up like what kind of side hustles did you have to pick up in order for you to like just keep going you know what sure, i mean because sure. like the the saying is is like yo a uh, hungry art like uh, you know a uh, hungry artist like you know what i mean like yeah, starving, starving, artists. starving yeah, artists. Yeah, yeah, hungry yeah. artist yeah <laughs> i said hungry because you ain't really starving yeah, you know what yeah, I mean? like, nah. And ramen, if you ramen noodles, like, yo, you're not starving. And if, and if you're you know starving, I mean? then maybe you should be doing something. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, maybe yeah. it's time to put it up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, I was did, I did a, I was a, I was a bartender. Um, I was terrible at it. It's really hard to it's be a really bartender. It's really hard. And I came in, I came in thinking I was like, I was, I was arrogant as shit. I was like, oh, I'm gonna fucking mix a drink. I can mix a drink. And then I went to a bar, a uh, uh, wonderful, wonderful spot uh, called Bar Sardine down in, down in the West Village. Great spot, awesome people. 
But I didn't know fucking nothing about nothing. Mm. <laughs> and they also they have an oyster bar back there, mm. so I got to shuck oysters too. Oh, man. I don't know how to I don't know how to mix drinks. <laughs> I don't know how to shuck oysters. <laughs> Yo, I was a bartender for like one day, uh-huh. literally, and then quit after that day. Yeah, I was like, it I was cannot do this. Oh, it was tough. <laughs> I could I could wait tables. You know what I mean? Cause I'm That's gen- hard too. It is hard, but I'm generally pleasant <laughs> uh, uh, when I when I want to be. <laughs> But like bar, like I have so much respect for the for those bartenders. Yeah, yeah. they are because they know they they know they shit. Shout out to bartenders. But shout out to bartenders. <laughs> y'all are awesome. Y'all have gotten me drunk. <laughs> you know what I mean. Y'all have gotten me laid. <laughs> <laughs> no doubt. Wonderful. Shout out to the bar. What, what yeah. other side hustles did you have to do, man? Like, uh, Wait, didn't you start out as a barista at Shadowbox? Yeah, yeah, so I was a barista for a little while. Barista, barista. Uh, tomato, I was, uh, tomato. I was like, yeah. <laughs> In, in the uh, in the in the, the Flatiron has a coffee thing. They did. They don't have it anymore. Oh, I was gonna say yeah. we don't have that in Dumbo. Yeah, yeah, in yeah. The one I go to. They, <laughs> yeah, they used to. They used to. so I started as a barista and then um, I became the fitness, not the fitness, uh, the the facilities manager, hmm. running a theme of jobs that I am completely uh, uh, underqualified to do mm. because I I can't really fix shit. <laughs> So I was in charge of two fitness studio locations. Yo, Shabba's gonna hear this. And gonna, <laughs> I'm never gonna be able to go back again. Uh, uh, so, so I did that, um, and then I became a, a fitness instructor um, at Shadowbox. I also taught at New York Film Academy. Um, taught at Chautauqua Theater Institute. Uh, taught at the Yale Conservatory. And yeah. Yeah, so yeah. would you say, like, yo, like, what, what are some advice that you might want to, like, share, like, about just, like, maintaining your hustles to just kind of keep going? Yeah, it'd be open. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, I, you know, I joke about it, but, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, some of the, me- some of the best lessons I learned was at Bar Sardine and the, and the folks there, you know, and they... Uh, some of the best lessons I learned was as a uh, uh, facilities manager, you know. So it's like really, really just be open to opportunities because you never know when something's going to come. You never know when that thing's actually going to be a blessing. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Uh, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just truly be open. What yeah. about, can I ask you, um, how do you, do you have a preference for acting in theater versus on film yeah, or yeah, vice yeah. versa? I, I have no preference. Mm-hmm. They both present different challenges and they both present different uh, rewards. Such uh, as, well, like so, theater it's immediate. Right. You, you get on stage, you do it. People clap or they don't clap. <laughs> it's pretty. So it's mm. pretty immediate. So that feeling that you get is pretty immediate. Mm-hmm. Uh, film not so much. Um, but what film what film can do is film requires a lot of subtlety, mm. which can be really interesting and juicy. Because theater is something that you have to be extra like loud and present. Well, you have to you have to be more full bodied. And no, uh, no. Let me, let me, let me re- replace that. You need to. You're, you're. So you're. Think of spheres of energy. Right. Spheres of energy is bigger, because you're reaching more. Mm. Your target is bigger. Mm. You know, if I got a, if I got a, if, if I'm trying to shoot a gun, right. In film, I'm, I'm, I'm shooting something that's directly in front of me. In theater, I'm kind of shooting something that's a little more scattered, a little more. Right. Out, you know. So, uh, so that can, so that kind of energy, that focus, can create something that's also very. And you're interesting and popular. Yeah. And then there's something cool when your grandma kind of texts you and was like, I was on Hulu and I saw your face. <laughs> you go, oh, thanks, grandma. Aww. That's great. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
you know? No, but you know, I always think about this with um, Broadway actors. It must be so hard to do the same show. Yeah. Sometimes twice a day. Yeah, 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 yeah. Every yeah. day. Yeah, every for day. However, like. Yeah, yeah. That that was another thing that I was so like curious hard. about because yeah, it's yeah. just like, don't you get sick of that shit? You do. <laughs> <laughs> you do. Unless you can find. And let me be real. I'll be real with y'all. Like it, it gets it. Get, I'm sure it does. It, it's like you know the myth of Sisyphus. You pushing a rock. You know, it's kind of how it feels sometimes. You like you push that rock and it rolls down. And you're like, oh fuck, I'll do this again. Um, but it's like unless. You, but what you can do is like what's really great about that is that because once again layers, right? It's about layers. It's about levels. With a, a Broadway contract. Because you're doing it every day, you can just go deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper and become more embodied and more embodied and more embodied and more embodied, and more embodied uh, to the point that it becomes part of your skin, part of your bones. Um, which film, you don't really get to do that. Very rarely do you get to do that. A lot of it is like your immediate choice. That's the choice that you're going to go with. And then your immediate other kind of crazy choice, and that's the choice you're going to go with. But with theater, you can kind of refine a little bit, you know. Yeah. Yeah. So when you're going into like playing a particular character, like yeah. let's say, I mean, the most recent character you played, like Divine. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. What kind of research did you have to do, and like what kind of like mental preparation, uh, or any pre any sort of preparation did sure. you have to do? Like, did you just have to like watch old footage of him? Like, yeah, what, what yeah. were some of the stuff that you had to do? Yeah. So I like uh, I got this um, I got this dialect coach, woman named Beth McGuire, who a dialect. Coach? Dialect coach. Gotcha. So she's um. What 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 does what does this uh, role part this these people do? So what she does is like she breaks down the way people speak, oh. and, and and at in uh, school she teaches you just different dialects. So she teaches you how to do British or Irish or French or you know Korean, Korean American. Wait, so this this lady knows how to say all these different type of dialects? She can break it down scientifically. Yeah, you didn't what? know this shit. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't know this shit. Yeah, yeah. So, yo. Yeah, yeah. So she'll she'll so she'll break it down. She breaks it down to so like how you hold your mouth, why you hold your mouth that way, your rhythm of speaking, the cadence of your yo, voice. Yo, that's wild. Yeah, 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 yeah. So she did. So, so when Idris Elba was talking like a hoodlum from Baltimore. Yeah. He like, either, but Idris is kind of a mutant. Right. Okay. <laughs> so he might have had a dialogue coach. Right. But I can also believe that he just was like hung out in Baltimore for like right. two weeks and then right. all of a sudden right. just started doing that. <laughs> right, 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 right. But if he had a dialogue coach, then whoever he or she is uh. took it, took it, broke it down, was like, okay, this is the sounds that the person makes, this is how that person holds their mouth, this is the tension they carry in their body, and all that kind of reflects on. I mean, you said yourself how you speak, right? Right. Right. You listened, to, you were listening to the RZA, and then that kind of translated. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, how yeah. you speak now right uh -huh. and that's basically so if I were to study you we will break it down all that kind of aspect uh, yeah. <laughs> that's wild man <laughs> that's a wild so okay so you work with this dialect coach so I work with this dialect coach we got a ton of footage uh, see but see the thing about Devon is he don't he don't do interviews mm. so it was hard to actually find him actually talking there's a documentary <laughs> BT <laughs> that's on YouTube uh, that's like original Wu-Tang uh, doc that uh -huh. has a bunch of Divine stuff like early 2000 late 90s uh -huh, stuff uh -huh. you know so and and it's like right after ODB dies and and so you get so you get you got that kind of stuff and then I took the stuff from the doc from the documentary and then I would just listen to it mm -hmm. like ad nauseum like I have one headphone in and like I wake up with my day 
plus play and just listen to them over and over and over and over and over again to the point where then you know the way that i would speak would kind of match his pattern at least i would try you know what I mean? right um yeah but in terms of like his persona and yeah, like yeah. um the way he thinks like yeah you know like you hear about like method acting you know like yeah, you hear yeah, about yeah. this type of shit like I mean, when Christian Bale had to play a killer or whatever, like, yeah, 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 you yeah. know, uh, what, what what are some of those, like, preparation steps? Like, did you have to do any of that? Like, did you have to kind of put yourself in the shoe of this person? Yeah, like, yeah. I mean, like, the funny thing is, is, like, so this is my first time really playing somebody uh, who's alive and, and, and moving. And so, like, the process of of trying to connect to the way that he speak caused me to think in a certain kind of way. Mm. And then what was great about Riz and Alex's script is that, um, and then the subsequent scripts that all these wonderful writers created afterwards is that they really, really got uh, 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 the cadence of speaking. So if you follow the, the language, mm-hmm. you get how the person speak. Mm-hmm. And when you get how somebody speaks, you get how they think. Because people who speak fast think Ooh, of a that's kind of dope. Yeah. You, can you say that again? <laughs> <laughs> if you can get how someone speaks, uh-huh. you can get how they think. You know. Damn, so all damn all these that's why I, that's why I think so violent. <laughs> yeah. Damn bro. Mob, all these mob deep records <laughs> got, got, me, got me so belligerent, you know what I mean? Like okay. Oh wow, that's that's kinda but you know that's that kinda goes back into um references about the nation, right? Because right, like right. Malcolm, like I mean, even in the movie like Malcolm X by um Denzel Washington, right? Like, he comes out of jail and right. then the way he dresses, the way he speaks, the right. way he thinks, all of that kind of aligned right. once he, you know, like uh, there was a, sh- a major shift in right. his entire life. Right, right. But not to, not and a bit of a non sequitur, but you can also argue that like that's a persona that he put on himself. Mm. You know what I mean? That Malcolm deep inside was one thing, what he presented was something else. Mm. He was so malleable in his entire life, entire career that he right. tended to... Uh, mold depending on what he needed he right, right. shapeshifter there's this great book called Malcolm X a life of reinvention right uh, that's like really breaks down like each kind of phase in Malcolm's life right and how he kind of molded himself right to fit that phase right you know hmm. word like no. an actor yeah <laughs> yeah like an like, actor like an actor yeah for sure yeah, I mean yeah. a lot of those public figures yeah. anybody in that level I yeah, feel like yeah, yeah. you know Obama's like a killer you know he I mean? is he's no he is he's yeah. a killer you know what I mean he fucking he did you know what I mean he <laughs> not sent, to get too deep yeah, political he sent <laughs> drones out there to <laughs> kill kids you know what I'm saying like he did you know what I'm saying uh, yeah but but no you know what I was just wondering though is there anything you would not do for a role see mm. um, see I said that uh, and then this year I've done everything I said I wouldn't do. Oh, really? Mm. So, so tell us a little bit about that. So my mom had certain rules when I became an actor mm. and I graduated. She said, she said, Elijah, here, I, I think it's wonderful, but I think I don't want you to, um, to be a slave, mm. to be a drug dealer, mm. <laughs> to be a janitor, mm. to have sex. <laughs> I felt like Devon was a janitor, a drug dealer. So Devon was a janitor, a drug dealer. Uh, <laughs> I played a slave last year. <laughs> hey, you know, you know, it's Hulu. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Of course, of course, sex comes with it. 
<laughs> so how 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 did mom how did mom Dukes feel about that? Uh, mom don't know about certain. <laughs> oh. We gonna have that conversation okay. and, and well, ask me that in yeah. December. Yeah. yeah. So like, <laughs> um, I mean, I get why she wouldn't want you know yeah, yeah. like those type of ro- but like. Is, did, did she explain why I like to you? Yeah, I think it's, you know, the big thing is, well, one, her, her idol is Denzel Washington. And, mm. and Denzel, if you watch, if you look at his career, you know, we say Malcolm X is a life of, re- of reinvention. Denzel right. is a life of, of, of invention, not invention, of, of, in, of integrity. In a sense, like, mm. I'm going to present this type of person. And when he was coming up, it makes a, it made a lot of sense because as a as a black man and one of the few in hollywood he he was a uh uh he was a role model mm-hmm. whether he wanted to or not and it was something that he recognized and something that he leaned mm-hmm. very heavily into so he was like so there's certain things that denzel never did and and I think that was very, and that's very important. Did Denzel ever play a slave? I can't think of. I he mean, did, he, he does play a slave. He plays a slave in Glory, but it's a little different. You know what I mean? Right, it's right, like right. he wasn't like he wasn't kind of out there, kind of like yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. And at the time, it was like there's certain stereotypes that we became associated with with black people right. in Hollywood, right? And you know, we we're pimps, we we're drug dealers, we we're slaves, right? You know what I'm saying? We we're prostitutes, right? You know, and. And so it became important as representation became concerned that if if I'm a black body, how am I going to be presented on film? Mm. You know, um, I'm a little more laissez-faire. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> you know, if it fits the story, it fits the story. And um, uh, so no, that's not really much I won't do. I mean, I I think like once again we'll you know talking about representation, it becomes important that if I'm presented with a role that should be done by somebody who is closer to that per to that part right then i i absolutely believe that i should not do that role you know mm. um it's just the time period that we live in not for sure it becomes important that we allow those not that we allow that's a terrible word that those people are the people that embody those parts mm. you know yeah. and um with what's been happening in hollywood and like just in entertainment in general for the last five years about just like more people of color getting like different roles and um, yeah. uh, people of uh, film starring people of color again like yeah. celebrated and award yeah. shows and all of that like yeah. as an actor like you know still coming up yeah. like do you feel it like that is affecting your career right now absolutely Com- mm. absolutely I think it's one of the best times to be a, a artist of color yeah. mm. to be a creator of color Tell, tell us like some. I mean, obviously you got mm. casted for this big role yeah, that's yeah. coming up on Hulu. Yeah. But like, you know, were there other instances like? Yeah, I think you know, I th- I think it's just the sheer volume of stuff that's been kind of presented in my way, um, and then the range of what I've been presented has been fantastic, you know. And I also I look at my my uh, I look at my peers and I look at the people who I, I admire. And the careers that they're having, and the careers that are being that are being shaped currently, and it's just like it's it's amazing, you know. Mm-hmm. I think if anything, now the shift is not the shift will be to get more of us in the executive level, yeah. to get more of us producing, and more of us decision making. Because yeah. even though there's a lot of us creating content, there's not a lot of us making decisions yeah. on said content. And that's where the change happens. That's where the change happens, and that's yeah. how it doesn't become a phase or a fad. Yep. Yeah. 
Which is the danger behind the camera. Exactly. Right. Word. Word. And exactly. not just behind the camera too, but like more of us shooting. More of us working as PAs, more yep. of us working as grips, more of us showrunners, audio people. Totally. And that's kinda what I always like to emphasize too, is like, yo, like not everybody's destined to be an actor, G. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Not all of y'all are good enough. <laughs> I'm gonna just say that out there, man. Like, yo, maybe, but you might be a good cinematographer. Yeah. You know we, what I mean? You might be that. a good gaffer. Yeah. You know what I mean? Need like, that shit. You could still be a union rep. You know yeah, what I'm saying? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's a wide variety of things in film besides just being in front right, of the camera. Right, right. You know what I'm saying? So wait, so on a more fun level, would you shave your head for a role? Yep. Would you gain 20, 30, 40, 50 pounds? I'm not Christian Bale yet. <laughs> <laughs> Did you have to shave your head for uh, Devon? No, I have, they gave me a fro. So oh. I had a fro for network, and so I was contractually obligated to keep the fro. And, huh. and at the time, I guess he had a fro. And like, yeah, during that, during luckily those, Devon, once again, serendipity. Luckily, <laughs> Devon right. had a little fro when yeah. he was in the 90s. Yeah. So it all kind of yeah, worked out. Got you. Maybe, maybe <laughs> for season two, you might need to shave. I might have to shave yeah, season two. Yeah, because in 95, 96, he had like a bald head. He had a bald head, but then he also has cornrows at one point. Mm. So. But so you wouldn't gain 50 pounds. That's a tough one <laughs> for me. That's a tough one for me. Yeah, uh, I just, uh, yeah, I got this thing, you know, I got, you know, I got this thing about having a perfect body. No, 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 that. not at all. I just, <laughs> <laughs> you can say it, I just, it's all good. Uh, be tough. That was tough, that was tough. Yeah. All right, mm-hmm. so we found one thing. <laughs> Word. Word. So before we go up into our wrap-up questions, yeah. um, is there anything that, you know, we didn't touch upon that you would want to um, speak about? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, one, I, I admire the, the 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 hell out of this podcast that y'all are doing. So I want to say thank you so much for bringing me on. Mm. Thank you for being here. Yeah, I think it's yeah. I think it's powerful for us to continue to have these kind yep. of conversations Absolutely. and and present these kind of things. And uh, uh, so I think that's I think that's wonderful. You know what I mean? Mm. And for any of your listeners who are listening, I'm like, the, if you if you if you if you woke up one morning and you say like I should really write that, mm. start writing that. Yep. If you woke up one morning and said, I need to shoot that, start shooting that. Mm. You know, you got it. But, and you got to make a daily practice and you got to make it a habit. Mm. Word. So on that note, though, like uh, these are some wrap up questions that we sure. ask all of our guests. Uh, the first question is, what is the most significant relationship in your life? Yeah. And why? And not and why? necessarily romantic. Mm. Okay. Uh, most significant relationship in my life is my mother. And because she is my spiritual guider. Um, my mentor, uh, my therapist, when she has the patience for it, and uh, you know, and I came out of her. <laughs> mm. But I think she, you know, I'm, I've modeled, I've been, I've tried to model much of my life after the way she goes about her life. Mm. What is, is she? What's her spiritual practice now? Now she's, uh, uh, she's, she's still Muslim, um, but there's also uh, a lot of Buddhism kind of associated with her work um some aspects of hinduism she you know she studied the bible um she studied the torah so there's a lot of different things mm-hmm. that she's kind of folded into herself mm. yeah, yeah. No, that's, that's, see that's that's kind of like one of our previous guests like talked extensively about that it's mm-hmm. about like uh, sam han shout out to sam han mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um he basically says like yo the modern religion is yeah. like a culmination of what you find yeah to be fitting to you yeah absolutely and you know it doesn't have different to be traditions. one particular yeah. faith yeah and if anything the person that kind of really 
made that visible to me as a kid yeah, yeah, was yeah. the RZA. Yeah, I, I, I'm tying all this shit together. <laughs> Once again, we come full circle. Nah, but it's, it, my, is, my. it is, it is. Because yo, RZA's whole shit was like, yeah. you know, yeah. Christianity, and he grew up Christian, and right. then he found like, you know, five percent nation. And he right. became, you know, he found Islam, and then yeah, yeah, yeah. all that kung fu shit. He yeah, found Confucianism yeah. and Buddhism. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like, when I saw this black man from Staten Island mm -hmm. who knew more about like Asian culture than most Asian people mm -hmm. but he was also like a proud black man at heart like I was right, like yo right. this is like the modern man right right you know right what I mean? and I think because I think fundamentally Riz is never he's never trying to run from himself mm. but all his study is just trying to reveal more of who he is to himself yep yeah yep. which I think when we're talking about the acupuncture spot mm. That's more kind of like it feels like y'all are running from something. Mm. Y'all are like, let me, oh that shit. I saw y'all do that shit. Let me go and grab that shit, mm. rather than trying to understand what is special about your culture, special about yourself. You know. Mm. So I don't yeah, know. But no, that's just my sure. theory. That's my theory. No, that's that's a righteous theory. Yeah. <laughs> um, and the last question is, what is your personal mantra? Oh, I probably should have looked at these before. <laughs> It's all good. Uh, no, right now, right now, my personal mantra is, uh, is empathy and compassion. I think in New York, it's very hard to maintain that, and so I've, I'm trying to make it a habit to do that. Luckily, I moved out of Bushwick, so it's made it a little easier. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, I ain't gotta get on the L train. It's a little easier. Oh, <laughs> oh. <laughs> you and if and if there are people in Bushwick, we can cut that out. We don't have to that. <laughs> so many people, yo, so many people ruined Bushwick, man. The last five, six years, man, y'all all moving to Bushwick, y'all ruined that culture over there. Shout out to the last remaining Boricuas that's still out there. But yeah, um, empathy. Yeah, I like that, man. I, I like the fact that you. Um, I actually never heard anybody say, you know, the fact that we are heterosexual men, the mm -hmm. fact that, you know, we don't have disabilities, physical disabilities, mm -hmm. those are all privileges that we often just kind of go, right. like, we don't even think about that shit, right. you know what I'm saying, so. And the fact that we're cis, you mm -hmm. know what I mean, so trans, the fact that, you know, there's just, there's a lot of things that we, that we experience that give us a level of, of, of privilege that others do not, and I've been blessed to have people in my life who have checked my privilege um, and brought out my privilege and it's been a constant conversation and I think the more that we have this kind of conversation the less things become privileged and things become more kind of equal and the hope is that we get to a point where no matter what perspective that you have in, in the world you have the same opportunities as anybody else. That's amazing. Man. So that's the hope. Yeah. Word. Let the church say amen to that. Yes, Please. yes. All right. Thanks again to Elijah Martinez for joining us. You know what I mean? Um, appreciate you for pulling up. Wait, um, so is there any other upcoming projects aside from this, uh, you know, Wu-Tang show? Like, anything uh, that you would like to talk about? Or? Anything you want to plug? Uh, I should have. I should nah. Just, just Wu Tang comes out on Hulu September fourth. September fourth, yo, mark 4th. that date. Yeah, yeah. Mark What's that the math date. behind that, man? Nine four. Like, is there any meaning behind that? I'm sure there is. There is. But then I'm also sure that Hulu's like, well, Hey, May's Tale's gonna come out in like December. That's true. Are they gonna release all ten episodes at once, or are they gonna make? They're doing people wait? first. First three are dropping September fourth. 
and then it's gonna be dropped week by week. Damn, I'm, I, yo, I've been only on Netflix. But yo, Hulu, they've been dropping some heat. So they I, gotta, are, I, gotta, yeah, I might need yeah, to hop on that. Yeah, they are. There's some good, there's good, good shit on Hulu. Yeah. Uh, no doubt, no doubt. Yeah. So, well, hey, but what's your gram, man? How can people like connect with you? Yeah, uh, so you can you can follow me on Julian Elijah Martinez at mm. Julian Elijah Martinez. Follow me on that, and then yeah, just your government. Just my government. Okay, gosh. And maybe that's why it's so confusing with yeah, people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. why everyone's no, like. No, it is. I, I, I sometimes mess up and call you Julian, yeah, yeah. and then I'm always like, oh crap. Yeah, I gotta. So fi- I'll it. figure that out. Uh, uh, hit me back up in like a year, and I'll yeah, figure yeah. it out. <laughs> <laughs> figure that out. So yeah, Sounds yo, um, shout out to the listeners. Uh, thank you, Julie, for co-hosting with me today. Yeah, thank, thank you. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Yes, yes. <laughs> bong, bong, bong. So, um, listeners, man, I gotta tell y'all, man, you gotta listen to the podcast. On streaming platforms, we on Apple, we on Spotify, we on SoundCloud, we on Stitcher. Most importantly, we on Anchor, cause Anchor pays for this shit. You know what I'm saying? We get we get that money from Anchor. So make sure you um hit subscribe um to know when the ep- new episodes are dropping. Follow us at 699 per pound on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter for the latest info. And yo, if you want to make some contribution monetarily, you know what I mean? Anchor.fm slash 699 dash per dash pound slash support you know what i mean drop some money in there and we'll be a happy camper you know what i mean all right, all right. let me just say thank you elijah for being here i really appreciate it and yeah, you know i course. put this on instagram after i saw you in network broadway as like your meteoric rise is coming and i really believe that I, I just i i like like working and having people work with me that i really admire awesome. and i really do admire you I, I acknowledge you as a person as an actor and so i'm just so glad you were here with us thank you thanks thank you for yeah. yes and please keep killing it so uh you make us look good too you know what's gonna happen y'all gonna hold this this episode until that first episode That's drops right. and then you're gonna be like uh then we gonna release it we're not gonna release it we're gonna drop this before before all that you know what i mean so thank you elijah thank you thank you all right y'all thanks for tuning in peace Hey yo, it's 6.99 per pound. Podcast.